444.com, Simone Sacra Podcast. My name is Anthony Stalter. As always, I'm joined by John Paulson. JP, how you doing this week? Doing pretty good. Uh, Packers won, so I'm excited about that and uh, ready for another uh, weekend of hoping that no uh, games are rescheduled due to COVID. Oh, man. Well, we'll get into a lot of that. We'll get into <laughs> some injuries today. A lot of, lot of COVID updates, uh, unfortunately. But, but it looks like, for the most part, I mean, hell, that 49ers-Packers game played, so I'd imagine that... Uh, most of these other games will as well. But we'll get into those. We'll talk about some injuries, run through those sneaky starts at the end of the podcast. As John mentioned, we got a Thursday Night Football recap from a fantasy standpoint. But before we get into all that, John, tell us about the music that brought us into today. Yeah, this is a, a good band. I, I believe we've featured them on the podcast before, Rainbow Kitten Surprise. It's actually TJ Hernandez's, uh, my coworker at 444, one of his favorite bands. That's a track that they released recently called Our Song. So I'll add it to the Most Accurate Podcast playlist, which you can find on Spotify and a link to that in the show notes. And the Most Accurate Podcast is brought to you by Underdog Fantasy, home of the new snake draft format, the Battle Royale. More on that coming up a little bit later. A couple of housekeeping items as we talk about each and every Friday, and we record on Fridays. You might be listening some other day. But 444 has a Discord. It's a community where 444 subscribers can interact with each other and the 444 analyst. And it's where John posts his Thinking Inside the Box series of stats every single Monday. If you want to join... Go to bit.ly slash 444 Discord. So that's bit.ly slash the number 4, F-O-R, the number 4, Discord. And that's all in lowercase. You can verify your subscription to get started. If you haven't signed up for 444, you can get a free 444 subscription. If you sign up for Monkey Knife Fight, which is a new daily fantasy site, you just need to be a new Monkey Knife Fight user and then deposit $10 into your account after sign up. That offer is good for a free 444 Classic Pro or DFS subscription. So it's up to a $99 value, kind of a no-brainer assuming that you do live in one of the 37 approved states or in Canada. Details can be found at bit.ly slash 444MKF. That's all lowercase as well. And if you're wondering, that offer is good for existing 444 subscribers as well. Just go through the process, email support at 444.com to let them know, and they'll add a year to your existing subscription. Accuracy update. John has moved to the number three spot in Fantasy Pro's weekly accuracy and uh, it's it's the contest that runs. We've talked about this in the in the past. It's kind of like the the who's who of the fantasy rankers. And and John is now number three at Fantasy Pros. He's also number two at Fantasy Nation, which is holding their own accuracy competition as well. So John, uh, you must feel great about it. I know you're kind of a one week at a time guy, but congratulations, man. That's that's incredibly impressive. Yeah, this is the where I give the coach speak and say it's one you know one game at a time, and I'm just keeping my head down, and you know we're on to week nine. Uh, I w- I do would like to point out Fantasy Nation uh, as well. They do give a a prize for the person who wins it, and I happened to win the uh, draft rankings for 2019, so I got a surprise uh, $1,000 check in the mail. Oh, nice uh, for that, which is really cool. So I, I'm just throwing it out there just in case Fantasy Pros wants to. 
you know, get get on board with the uh, with the prize uh, to sure. <laughs> just in case, you know, nothing wrong with some uh, some more motivation. Uh, yeah, both of these are, uh, are are good contests. I think the um, the Fancy Pros one's been around a long a long time, and is probably uh, you know more known uh, throughout the industry. There's like 160, 170 experts in that one. I think Fancy Nations. Uh, between 75 and 100 i forget the exact number so uh, we do pride ourselves on the accuracy of the site and the rankings and the projections so um, thank you for that and uh, we'll just uh, try to knock it out for the rest of the season well again congrats john i know we'll, we'll continue to update viewers or viewers nobody can't view a podcast john uh, <laughs> listeners will continue to update listeners on your on your uh, rankings each and every week so COVID-19 updates. Currently, according to Pro Football Talk, 15 teams have issues with the virus in one form or another. In no particular order, John, there are the Ravens, Texans, Colts, Broncos, Chiefs, Cowboys, Packers, who played last night, obviously, 49ers, who played last night, Bears, Cardinals, Eagles, Raiders, Lions, Falcons, and Dolphins. So Nearly half the league is dealing with some sort of COVID-19 restriction. As of right now, though, all of Sunday's games are still on uh, schedule to to kick off. Yeah. Uh, just if people aren't following, I mean, I'm sure people are following COVID. They have to be following how the numbers right now. But maybe if they're not, they're trying to plug their ears and not hear bad news. There was 120 new cases, 120,000 new cases yesterday which I believe was a new record or near a new record. So this thing is getting worse, not better. We're heading into flu season. And I'm not saying this as a you know a lecture to people to wear masks or to socially distance or to wash your hands, although I believe you should be doing all those things. I'm saying this is because this is a fantasy football podcast and these teams exist in our country and are part of this society. They're supposed to be bubbling and being extra careful. Um, but as the virus continues to spread throughout many areas of the country we're going to get more and more and more of these cases uh, positive tests quarantining contact tracing and the only good thing about the nfl is that they have the money to test daily uh to contact trace uh you know hardcore and to really nip it in the bud when it hits each team and allow the games to be played i mean you look at what happened thursday night the 49ers were, you know, lost a number of players to this. The Packers lost both their starting running backs. They were lucky and fortunate in that Aaron Jones uh, has was negative and was ready to come back and play. Um, so the 49ers were at a disadvantage, obviously, yesterday with all the injuries and, and what was going on there, but that's part of it. Like, part of success in today's NFL is managing this and – it's up to the players in many cases not to be, uh, go, you know, putting themselves in danger and putting their teammates in danger. But this is going to continue, and it's only going to get worse because we're heading into flu season. People are headed indoors, and if these people aren't careful, it's going to hit every team and touch every team this year. All right, let's uh, let's go through some of the injuries now. Seattle running back update: Chris Carson did not practice Wednesday or th- Thursday, but is expected to try to practice today. Travis Homer was limited and should be able to play, and then Carlos Hyde remains out. Is Carson trustworthy if he is active? If he play, if he practices today and it sounds good, uh, like he's moving well, and uh, if he's listed as questionable, I'd be a little hesitant to use him. But if, 
the nice thing about Seattle is they play early. Uh, we should have a good update on you know whether or not he's active and how he's looking in warm-ups and before owners have to make a decision on Carson. But it's a nice matchup, and he's been the bell cow whenever he's been active. Uh, if he's out, then you're probably looking at DJ Dallas in a lead role with Travis Homer as a rotation guy, although Homer was playing ahead of DJ Dallas uh, most of the season. But he's got that knee injury and um, – has been kind of banged up, so I think they probably would lean on Dallas since he had a pretty good game last week. It wasn't too too efficient in terms of yardage, uh, but he did score a couple touchdowns and would be a pretty safe play, I think, like an RB2. Uh, I mean, I've got him at 20 right now. I've got Homer in the 30s, and assuming right now that Carson is out, but that could change quickly if uh, Carson uh, is, at, uh, is practicing today and looks good. Kenyon Drake's ankle injury is apparently not as bad as feared, but he was out both Wednesday and Thursday. Is it Chase Edwards' time? Edmonds' time? Excuse yeah, me. I mean, the Dolphins' defense is better than you know people think. Uh, they're actually a pretty good fantasy defense as well, um, but Edmonds should see the bulk of the, the touches. Eno Benjamin might sprinkle in here and there, but I've got uh, Edmonds as a top 10 back this week, assuming Drake's out. Mark Ingram of the Ravens did not practice again Thursday. He missed last week's game against the Steelers. He's looking doubtful for week nine. Who, who would you advise in that Baltimore backfield? Well, Dobbins has, um, you know, more upside, I think, and also uh, has the pass catching aspect to his game. So he's a superior play in my opinion, but, you know, Edwards is, you know, a, a threat as well. He, is a good runner. His yards per carry, career yards per carry is way up there. And uh, he's, you know, getting goal line work as well. So they're both playable. I just think Dobbins has got more ex- uh, explosion to his game and, you know, is more likely to maybe take one in from 40 yards out uh, or end up with five or six catches. It's, it's a tough matchup against the Colts. They have a, they have a pretty good defense, uh, both against the pass and the rush. Josh Jacobs is dealing with a knee injury. He's also dealing with an illness. He did not practice on Thursday. After practicing on Wednesday, Theo Riddick was promoted from the practice squad. How concerned are you about Josh Jacobs not playing against the Chargers? Uh, when This is a midweek downgrade, so I, it always perks up my ears when this happens. Um but we'll see what he does today. They're, they're going to be practicing late because they're the Raiders. Um, Devontae Booker is second in uh, touches over the last four weeks in that backfield with 19. Jalen Richard is at 14. Ingold is at four, but he's the fullback. Uh, Theo Riddick did, was active one game and had a few touches, um, but I think it would probably be a lot of Booker. Um, although for the season, uh, Richard is outsnapping a Booker 22% to 14%. Uh, for the season, Booker is out touching Richard thirty-three to twenty-four. So I would expect if Jacobs were to be out, that we'd have a you know committee with Booker and Richard uh, uh, rotating because it just doesn't seem like the, the Raiders have settled on you know which one of the, those players is better. It was really their RB two. Matt Braid is dealing with a hamstring injury. He did not practice on Wednesday and Thursday. He was expected to see extra work with Miles Gaskin out at least three weeks. Miami traded for DeAndre Washington. Jordan Howard has been a healthy scratch for the last couple of weeks. Patrick Laird and Lynn Bowden are also in the mix. Uh, How do you kind of comb through Miami's backfield situation? I don't know there's a lot to take advantage of here, although if you need a spot start, you could maybe pick one of these guys – it's probably going to be the first week here with Gaskin out. Uh, Washington, very new to the team. I think he has to um, clear COVID protocol, so I don't think he's going to be active this week. So you're probably looking at uh, Jordan Howard uh, and Laird as the, you know, ro- the I wouldn't say rotation because Howard's going to be like a first, second down guy, and Laird will have that PPR upside. Uh, I don't know that this is a 
great situation for either player. But if you need 10 points or something, then you could start them because they'll, they'll probably split the snaps and, you know, layered specifically in PPR formats. Uh, if they fall behind uh, the Cardinals, he, he could see a lot of work, uh, you know, in garbage time, two minute drill and stuff like that, you know, maybe end up with four or five catches for you. Ezekiel Elliott's dealing with a hamstring injury as well. He was limited on both Wednesday and Thursday. Are you confident that he faces Pittsburgh? Yeah, this is I would I, I would call this danger territory for most of the Cowboy players because the season is spinning out of control. Uh, if these injuries happen, I don't know that they're going to feel compelled to push uh, these players to play when the, basically the season is already over. Um, they, they're, I don't know what the record is right now. Um, they're completely out of the playoff hunt, but it doesn't feel like they're really uh, continuing in the playoff hunt. Um, so. Elliot probably, you know, he's limited uh, with the hamstring. He's probably going to play, uh, but you, owners, if they can stash Tony Pollard, this isn't this isn't Tony Pollard from a, a Tony Pollard stash from week one when Dak Prescott's there and there's a lot of optimism and this offense is really humming. This is a Tony Pollard stash for Elliot who could get shut down or could miss a few weeks to get healthy for a team that's not scoring many points. So it's not as big of a deal, uh, but he would see a lot of work. And, you know, as we've proven throughout the season and the years, it's helpful to have players that might see 10 to 15 touches in any given week in your lineup. Uh, You might need that sometimes, especially with all these injuries. So um, that's sort of the alert right now with this hamstring injury is to to add Tony Pollard if you have room on your bench. And in most leagues, he's probably not available, but in some, he's, he's out there. Philip Lindsay has uh, injuries, I guess, multiple toes. Was He was limited, and it looks like he will play, but the Broncos play early on Sunday in Atlanta. So would you advise Philip Lindsay owners to play him? Uh, you know, he's the he's basically the backup to Melvin Gordon, although he's been outplaying him all year. Uh, and I would think that his role is going to grow. Uh, but with this injury, it kind of is a little bit of a setback for him. I I think the main thing is if Lindsay's out, then Melvin Gordon's going to move into the teens in my in my rankings as a you know the bell cow back against the, the Falcons and his ability to catch the ball uh, against Atlanta should be quite useful. Tremaine Pope, he's dealing with a concussion. He cleared concussion protocols though. He actually surprised last week. He got 15 touches for 95 yards. Do you think he's past Joshua Kelly on the depth chart? I don't know what's exactly going on here. Uh, it was a surprise last week, but he looked really good. Uh, Kelly has not looked like he uh, reportedly looked in camp. So he's not running with much confidence. He's not, uh, this is Kelly I'm talking about, uh, he, he's not, his yards per carry is not great. Uh, so for Pope to come in there and actually look good and, and gain yards on the same plays that they were running for Kelly is certainly an indicator that he's pushing Kelly for, for time. And, he, you know, he passed him last week, but this might be just a warning bell for, for Kelly to get it going and maybe to run with more ferocity or more energy. Um, but, you know, in my big leagues, I added Pope. Um, actually, I had three. I added him in three of my four leagues. The waiver wire is a little thin, so you can, this may not go for all the owners out there who might have better options than waiver wire. But um, you know, if he works into that role with Justin Jackson, uh, and he's past Kelly, uh, he could have some value. Especially if you know, if Justin Jackson, who's not the most durable guy, happens to go down or get dinged up in a game, Pope might end up with fifteen to twenty touches. Uh, so definitely a, a player to add if there's some like I, I cut uh, in one league I cut Wayne Gallman uh, for Pope because uh, Gallman is fine he had a touchdown these last two weeks but Devonta Freeman's coming back uh, came back at practice 
So it looks like he might be back in the fold. So I figured Pope would be a better uh, rest of season stash uh, to see what happens with him. Jonathan Taylor and Jordan Wilkins, both dealing with ankle and groin injuries respectively, but they're both full participants on Thursday. Wilkins outtouched and outsnapped Taylor by a healthy margin last week in the Colts' victory over the Lions. He also ran well in that game. Who, who gets more work on Sunday, do you figure? This sounds familiar, doesn't it? There's a rookie, you know, a, a rookie that was lauded uh, in the summer, you know, high draft capital, and then is being outplayed by uh, the backup. And you know, we just talked about it with Pope and Kelly. And um, Taylor is, you know, looked like a great prospect coming out of college, just hasn't shown it on a consistent basis for the Colts. And now I don't know if they're playing it off as an ankle injury, you know, to keep uh, his spirits up or to give him cover. Uh, but, you know, Philip Rivers mentioned that, that Taylor was dinged up after the game and Wilkins came in and uh, did a good job. Now, Wilkins has not performed great when he's been the starter. Uh, there was a, four games, I think. Uh, I saw a, a stat from one of the Colts beat writers, and it, it wasn't pretty. He's better, or he has been better uh, in a backup role. But that doesn't mean that he can't start and have a good game. I'm not exactly sure what how they're viewing this. I think they probably continue to start Taylor and then, you know, play the hot hand. And just lately, it's been Wilkins with the hot hand. So he's another player that uh, I've been adding in any t- with any teams that I've got some some injury issues at, at running back or want to have a stash because if Taylor goes down or misses a game or two, then Wilkins becomes a really good start. John Brown's dealing with a knee injury. He was full go on Thursday after not practicing on Wednesday. He was a, kind of a quiet game last week, but it was, it was also a, a windy game. Is he a good start against the Seahawks? Yeah, I think most you know casual fantasy owners – out there probably are like, eh, I don't want to start Brown this week. He hasn't been doing much, but this is a this is kind of a blow up spot for him to really uh, emerge. Given the uh, get back to that form that he had at the start of the season, because he is such a good matchup against the Seahawks, and the weather is going to be a lot better in Buffalo this weekend. So uh, there is a league where I'll be starting Brown. I've got him ranked as a wide receiver three this week. I I love John Brown. I think he's a really talented player. Uh, you know, the Buffalo passing offense has taken a little bit of a step back, but there have been a few reasons for that, the tougher matchups and uh, obviously last week's win game. Um, but this is a game against Seattle. <laughs> They've been, that defense has been giving up a lot of points. So I think this should be a high-scoring game, and I think John Brown will get in on the action. Contrary to some reports that Chris Godwin, who's dealing with a finger injury, was a full participant on Wednesday and then limited on Thursday, he was officially listed as limited for both days. It's been a frustrating year for Chris Godwin owners. Do you think those frustrations continue on Sunday night? I, this is uh, – I don't have Godwin in um, the rankings yet, uh, so I, want, I just assumed he'd miss a couple weeks. And they have Antonio Brown in the fold. Uh, it is an important game against the, the the Saints. I mean, the Saints are five and two. The Buccaneers are six and two. So if Godwin can play or is close, I think he'll he will. Uh, but I want you know the, the Wednesday night or the Wednesday practice. There was no pass catching happening there. Uh, so I want to hear some more positive reports today or this weekend before I put him back in the rankings. If he's out, then I think Antonio Brown is actually a, a pretty good sneaky start. He's obviously one of the best receivers ever to play the game. But I think even uh, in his first game with the Bucks, we saw what Tom Brady was willing to, you know, how much he was willing to target Brown uh, in the one game that he played for the Patriots last year. I think he had eight targets and 30-something percent of the snaps. So even if Brown is limited, when he's out there, uh, Brady will be looking for him. Uh, now, Brady didn't have a Mike Evans on the other side, uh, but if Godwin's out, I think Brown's a pretty safe start. Um and then Scott Miller also, you know, gets a little bit of a bump if, if Godwin's out. But if Godwin's playing, 
Uh, I'm going to assume he's good. I think you just you have to check your expectations a little bit. He's not going to be a top 12 type guy with Brown there uh, until we see how this uh, these targets shake out. But anytime Godwin's been active, then Evans' uh, target share has has taken a nosedive. So uh, it'll be interesting to see whether or not he's looking like he's going to play because I'm going to have to reshuffle my, my rankings for those uh, three players, or actually four players, and include uh, Miller in the mix. Kenny Galladay did not practice on Wednesday or Thursday. He's dealing with a hip injury now after le- leaving last week's loss of the Colts uh, early in that game. What about Marvin Hall? This is somebody that's got a lot of speed, a lot of breakaway ability, but he's just he's bounced around the league a lot. Yeah, I think the the hype in the summer was Quintez Cephas, and he ended up uh, getting some time early in the season uh, with, I think, Galladay missed earlier in the year. So he saw some uh, um, extra snaps, didn't do much with it. And then Hall has since passed him on the depth chart because Cephas has been inactive the last couple games. And then Hall... uh, you know, went over 100 yards last week. Uh, he's a smaller guy, but he's got good speed. Um, so, and this is a nice matchup against the the um, the Vikings. So, you know, Galladay's probably going to miss this week, and maybe maybe some more. Uh, if you're really hurting at receiver, uh, Hall's not a bad ad at all. T.Y. Hilton's dealing with that groin groin injury. Did not practice both Wednesday and Thursday. Safe to cross him off this week. Yeah, it doesn't look like he's going to play. Um, Michael Pittman is supposed to be back. I think he had a close contact on a COVID as well, so that's something to monitor. But Marcus Johnson um, and uh, Zach Pascal are the, the two playable players. It's it's a, it's not a great matchup against the uh, the Ravens, although you know they they from an adjusted fantasy points allowed to receivers they're they're not too bad, uh, or they're not too like too bad of a matchup. Um, but you know it's the Colts. And, uh, you know, Phil Rivers is more of a game manager now. They're not whipping the ball over the place. And this is going to be a a grinded-out, on-the-ground type game. Uh, Pascal probably has the best matchup because it looks like Marlon Humphrey is going to miss this week. Uh, So I think Pascal has the best matchup. But but Johnson has shown a nice rapport with Phillip Rivers, uh, better than anything that uh, T.Y. Hilton and Rivers have shown uh, this season. So he's not a bad play either. Tim Patrick for the Broncos just got a hamstring injury, limited on, on Wednesday and Thursday. That is an upgrade from last week, though. Do you think he faces the Falcons? Yeah, I think he probably does. This is If he if he is out there, he's a sneaky start. Uh, again, coming off the injury, people get a little worried, um, and that's understandable. But, uh, you know, if he's playing, it's, it's the Falcons. So... Um, I mean, no offense, Anthony. Uh, <laughs> They've been playing okay. They're they're like the best, uh, but they're like the best matchup for receivers. Yeah. I mean, the defense is a little bit has been a little bit better, but the the, the Broncos uh, offense is showing a little bit of life. They showed what they could do against the the Chargers. The Lock got I saw Lock uh, doing a touchdown dance. He's getting a little bit more confidence. He's had a rough season, uh, but if everybody gets healthy, this is they have actually got some weapons um, in this offense. And even without Cortland Sutton, um, it's not a bad group of receivers. So. Uh, if Patrick is, is healthy, I'm not going to have him ranked super high because the hamstring is a worry, uh, but he's a wide receiver four flex type that you could throw in there if you, if you uh, need a spot start. Yeah, the, Fal- the Falcons cornerbacks are all inexperienced. I mean, they're either rookies or first-year starters, so it does make sense. Uh, Calvin Ridley, speaking of the Falcons, he did not practice both on Wednesday and Thursday. He's got the foot injury that he suffered last Thursday night in the first half against Carolina. It, it kind of, Do you think he's shaping up to maybe be doubtful this weekend? Yeah, it doesn't look good for for Ridley, and I think the, you know, when he had the foot sprain or whatever, it's the initial uh, diagnosis was that it wasn't super serious, but he's probably going to miss some time. And if he's out this week, 
Uh, I expect a huge workload for Julio Jones when Ridley left the game last uh, week. Uh, you know, Julio's getting a lot of targets. Christian Blake is probably the direct replacement for Ridley, but I don't have a lot of confidence in him. Maybe uh, Russell Gage uh, gets back to his early season form. I, I also think it's a it's good for uh, Hayden Hurst, who's actually been um, pretty good for the for the Falcons. I know he you know is not producing at what we probably thought we were going to get from him given his draft position because he went from you know being a 12th 11th 12th round pick to you know a lot of the hype uh like he was going to directly replace hooper and he was starting to go on the eighth seventh eighth round so i don't have a lot of shares because i was targeting guys and if i didn't get one of the studs i was targeting blake jarwin or Janu smith or uh one of those guys so um but i think hearst has actually been better than uh people think it's more of a quiet um, production, but I think with with Ridley out there, seven to ten targets up for grabs, and he he might be one of the benefits as well. A couple more: Michael Thomas, ankle, hamstring, limited on Wednesday and Thursday. You think he plays this week? Uh, Sunday night game against the Buccaneers. Yeah, this is an upgrade uh, for him in terms of his practice uh, activity, and it's an important game against the Bucks. So uh, I think there's a chance. The problem here is that the game is on Sunday night, so we won't know until late in the day if he's active. So hopefully, we get. Uh, more clarity on this over the weekend. All right, last one. Sammy, last one from an injury standpoint. Sammy Watkins, hamstring, limited both Wednesday and Thursday. Yeah, so if he's back, it's going to push uh, Nicole Hardman, uh, Demarcus Robinson back down the depth chart if he's a a full go. So I just wanted to uh, note that Watkins is back, and and whenever whenever that happens, um, not just for the Chiefs, but in any receiving core, the number two guy comes back. That if, that's going to affect number three and four. All right, we'll get to Thursday Night Football. We'll go through some fantasy thoughts from John there and then uh, get some sneaky starts as well. But first, we all love snake drafts. We all love big prizes. What we don't all love is big entry fees or multi-week contests. So Underdog Fantasy just released an all-new format in their snake drafts. It's called Battle Royale. In the Battle Royale, you draft a one-week team like you normally would, but instead of only competing against the other teams in your specific draft, you compete with teams from other drafts. This way, they pull together the prizes so that they can offer big tournament style payouts while keeping the live snake draft format that we all love if you think this is your week and you can draft the best team you have to try battle royale it offers the big upside a normal snake draft can't with prizes that used to be only attainable in season long or salary cap tournaments the battle royale is up in the underdog app and on their website it's five dollars to enter and has a $25,000 prize pool that pays out $5,000 to first place. That would be certainly nice uh, before the holiday season, right? Or nice during a bleeping pandemic. How about that, John? Uh, all right, let's talk Thursday night football. Your Packers get it done against a very, very banged-up 49ers team. Almost felt bad for them at one point. I mean, they down three wide receivers, down their left tackle, down a bunch of guys because of injuries, non-COVID-related, George Kittle, Jimmy Jimmy Garoppolo. But uh, the Packers had a, a really nice night offensively. Aaron Rodgers was 25 of 31 for 305 yards, and he also had four touchdowns with no picks. So it was one of those those Aaron Rodgers-type type performances. Aaron Jones, as you mentioned, he was able to play, and he did have 15 carries for 58 yards. 
He caught five passes on five targets, a really efficient night for him. He added 21 yards through the air. Tyler Irvin was the backup. He carried the ball eight times for 24 yards. Devontae Adams, huge night, 10 receptions, 173 yards. He caught a touchdown. And then Marquez Valdez-Scantling, he caught two of his four targets for 53 yards. He found the end zone twice, and Mercedes Lewis caught his only target for a touchdown. Your observations, fantasy-wise, from your, your Packers last night. Boy, Devontae Adams, like, I'm not I'm going out on a limb here and saying he's really good. Um, <laughs> he caught the, there was a couple of catches. The touchdown catch early was really nice. Um, I thought that was a nice throw by Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers, on the the other catch that really stood out was the one where it looked like he was going to overthrow Adams. Um, but Adams, like, caught the back half of the ball. And it's just it's it's watching him and then watching Marquez Valdez Scantling drop passes and Equinemius St. Brown drop passes. Um, not last night. I mean, Valdez Scantling did have one bad drop, but he made up for it with a long touchdown catch and then another touchdown catch. So good for him. I want him to gain confidence. He's got good speed. I do, I do think he has talent, but it's just the hands on Adams are just incredible. So whatever Adams is doing. Valdez Scantling needs to do the exact same thing. He should just follow him around and do whatever he does. As if it's that easy. <laughs> uh, yeah, but I mean, it's just, you know, and, and I, Adams did not, his career did not get off to a great start. And um, I remember the Packers could have had Allen Robinson and instead took Adams. And that was a, a, a thorn in my side. I'm sure at this point, Allen Robinson would love to have gone to the Packers, given all the quarterback quarterbacks he's played with. But Adams has really put his head down, done the work, and has become, I think, the greatest receiver in the league. Um, but heading into the game, this was one of those weird situations with Aaron Jones because we didn't know for sure if he was going to have a full workload. I did think heading into the, the week, once Jamal Williams and um, A.J. Dillon were ruled out, uh, with, with the way that Jones was being talked about in previous weeks where he was a game-time decision against the Saints or whatever, and then last week... and. Um, it did seem like he was closer than what the medical staff was allowing him to do. And I think part of that was because they felt good about Williams and, you know, getting through games uh, with Williams and, and Dylan and Irvin and that crew. But once those guys were out, I did think that Jones had a better chance to play. And they did, you know, obviously as, as the week went on or the day went on, it became more likely that he was going to play. Um, just from my perspective, like this was a tough decision for people you know, whether or not to put him in. And my perspective on it was that the medical staff, if he wasn't ready to play, they wouldn't make him active. They would just run with Irvin and um, Dexter Williams. And they would, you know, they didn't uh, find another running back anywhere else from the practice squad or anywhere else. I mean, they were in a pretty tough spot because you can't just bring a guy off the street anymore. You have to go through COVID protocol. So that's the other wrinkle to this. Um, but they would have just, you know, run with John Lovett, <laughs> at running back, I think, and just really gone pass heavy in that situation. Um, but the fact that he was active, I felt like he was going to have a, a pretty good workload, and it did. I mean, he had the first few few touches in that first drive. He looked great. Uh, his efficiency dropped, uh, you know, on the ground in the second half. But you know, finishing with twenty touches, uh, you know, the Packers score four touchdowns. He usually would get one of those. And I think this was just a game where when they got when they got close in around, they just put the ball in, in Rodgers' hands and they didn't want to overwork maybe Jones around the goal line. But I think there was one play that was you know drawn up for him, but Rodgers uh, had to turn away from him and throw the ball away. Um, he was he it was like a 
uh, play action where uh, Jones was going to the left uh, side of the end zone, and I think he was wide open, but uh, Rodgers had to to bail on the play before uh, he had a chance to throw it. So I think it was the right play to play Jones. I mean, 20 touches, you can't complain about that. You're going you're gonna to play Jones no matter what. Uh, but, you know, obviously a little bit of disappointing uh, output from him. You're getting 12 points in PPR, and that's not uh, that's not great. All right, from the 49er standpoint, Nick Mullins, 22 of 35, 291 yards, a touchdown and a pick. He, he actually did have an 8.3 yards per pass advantage, uh, yards per pass uh, attempt, and the fact that three of his top three wide receivers were out, I mean, that's not a bad night for Nick Mullins, but if you watch the game, obviously couldn't move the ball. Jarek McKinnon saved his night and killed under betters with a touchdown run. Uh, last night, he had 12 carries for 52 yards and that one score. He caught three passes on four targets for 16 yards. The only other touchdown that was scored was Richie James, who had a huge night because nobody else was around. Nine catches, 184 yards, and a touchdown. Anybody else stand out from the 49ers perspective? Yeah, I think we were expecting maybe Jordan Reed to have a bigger role. He ended up with two targets, but he's been out a while. And, uh, you know, Ross Dwelly is a capable uh, tight end. He ended up with three for 52. Uh, the funny thing here is that this, uh, you know, one, one note on Mullins, he has a career yards per attempt over eight. I mean, I think it's just a function of this offense, uh, Kyle Shanahan's offense, where these quarterbacks always are pretty efficient in their yard, yards per attempt. And, you know, when he was given time, he looked pretty good. This was the first game where I remember the, the, the Packer rush, uh, pass rush really got going, and I think that was partly because of the injuries and stuff in the, on the offense of, of, the, of, the, of the 49ers. But um, the, the backfield is, a, is another like, story. It, you, you come in, and I think the fantasy community as a whole thought that Jermichael Hasty would be the lead back and Jerick McKinnon would be rotating in because he had t- tired legs and, you know, we just weren't expecting him to be the starter and to get the most of the touches, but he ends up with 15 touches, um, 68 total yards and a touchdown. Hasty doesn't do much at all. Um, he only ends up with six touches. So disappointing for hasty owners. Um, but I did have, I mean, I had hasty, I think at 17, 18 and and half PPR. And I had McKinnon at 21 half PPR because I thought with all the receiving issues that they were having or injuries at receiver that McKinnon would play a lot as a receiver and they would be on the field together. Um, Richie James is another funny story because when I did my um, uh, did my uh, rankings when I was updating for all these players being out, all of a sudden you know I just did my normal distributions and Richie James ends up at 37. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa! This is way too high for Richie James. I can't. I, he's got an ankle injury. Um, he's the whatever third, fourth, fifth receiver in this team. You know, I, I can't have him that high. And it turns out I should have left him there. But um, you know, he I had him ranked more as a wide receiver five desperation start. But he looked good. You know, I thought there would be more Trent Taylor, you know, PPR, like, uh, you know, five for 50 type day for him. Um, so I think this is something to, you know, maybe note uh, when it, when these sorts of things happen again with uh, Kyle Shanahan's team is that they do. He does have these receivers that he can manufacture high quality, productive touches for. And James is that player last night so that's something to keep in mind uh, going forward with this team all right let's round out the podcast with some sneaky starts this is what we do every single friday we'll hand out a couple of quarterbacks a couple of running backs wide receivers and a couple of tight ends as well let's start off with your your quarterbacks uh, Derek carr this week is on the road against the chargers do you like Derek carr this week yeah and you know he had a really bad game production wise um you know against cleveland but that was the high wins in that game really kind of sunk the offenses of both teams. Um, but I'm expecting a bounce back um, against the Chargers. Uh, Carr had 
two plus touchdowns in five straight games prior to that game against Cleveland. So he's really playing well uh, from a fantasy standpoint and in a real world standpoint. Uh, but the Chargers, you know, gave up 248 and three to Drew Locke last week, 172 or 173 and two to Gardner Minshew, 325 and one to Drew Brees, and 369 and five to Tom Brady over the last four games. So the, the Chargers, you know, coming into the season, we thought we'd have one of the better defenses. They're having some injury issues as well. Um, and they've been, you know, the 29th in adjusted fantasy points allowed to quarterback. So this is a good play for a uh, good start for, for Carr this week. Let's talk about Drew Locke. This this goes hand in hand with what we were talking about, about the Falcons uh, pass secondary not being great. Yeah, they're, they're 31st in adjusted fantasy points allowed to quarterbacks. Locke had the 248 and three against the Chargers last week. Didn't look great at the start of the game, but, you know, finally, finally broke through and, um, this is a just a nice matchup against the Falcons. And then uh, running backs, a couple running backs. Let's start with Damian Harris. Um, he, is, he had two 100-yard uh, rushing games in the last four games. Uh, he had 102 yards and a touchdown against the Bills. Uh, I wouldn't count on a touchdown because that, he ran that one out from a ways, a ways away because Cam Newton is basically their goal line running back. But Harris has been getting a vast majority of the carries in this offense. And you look at the... The Jets, they've given up 130 yards and uh, 0.8 touchdowns to opposing backfields this season. So it's, it's a pretty good matchup for that for, for Harris, the 23rd and Justin Fantasy points allowed to running backs. And then J.D. McKissick is another running back you like. Yeah, well, I don't <laughs> like his, likes a strong word. Uh, he's got, uh, like this. we're getting into that you know situation where you might have to just find somebody that's going to get you 10 points and maybe be the difference in your game. And I think McKissick is... Playing enough uh, in this backfield, he's a he's a PPR play only really, but the reason he's a decent play I think is that uh, he's 21 catches in the last four games, um, and the Giants have yielded the seventh most receptions to opposing running backs in this the season. So, you know, unless they really come out and want to give Antonio Gibson 20 25 touches, I think McKissick will still be involved. And it's a threat for four to five catches, and sometimes that's all you need to to pull out a yeah, win. Yeah, we context matters. We're talking about sneaky. <laughs> we're talking about sneaky starts here. We're talking about uh, dart throws. You're you're desperate. Maybe if you're playing, you know, DFS and things like that, it'd be a little bit different. Um, but let's talk about some wide receivers. Jacoby Myers for the Patriots. He he saw a lot of targets the past couple of weeks, and they're playing the Jets on Monday night. Yeah, we're, we've we've discussed Antonio Brown, um, John Brown, Russell Gage earlier in the pod. Uh, Myers has had a couple of good games, uh, 10 of 16. He's caught 10 to 16 targets for 118 yards over the past two weeks. He's, uh, you know, preseason star. He can play a little bit and there's just not a lot going on in that passing game. Uh, Julian Edelman's out and kill Harry is struggling is out. Uh, when he is playing, he's struggling. Uh, Myers has been the most productive uh, receiver in that in that offense over the last two weeks, and it's a pretty good matchup against the Jets. Uh, Darnell Mooney is another guy that you have listed among your sneaky starts from a wide receiver standpoint. They're at Tennessee, and the, the Titans, for as good of a record as they have, their defense has not been great. Yeah, they're 28th in adjusted fantasy points allowed to receivers. Uh, Mooney has caught 8 of 13 targets for 109 yards and a touchdown over the last two weeks. He's their deep threat, uh, and the Titans can be beat deep. Um, they've given up big games to Tyler Boyd. Uh, Deontay Johnson, who had two touchdowns against him. Will Fuller had 123 yards and a touchdown against him. Uh, Brandon Cooks in that same game had nine for 68 and a touchdown. Um, you know, Allen Robinson's a great play, but uh, Mooney has been playing ahead of, well ahead of Anthony Miller uh, and seeing a lot of snaps. And, you know, this is a game that probably Tennessee scores some points. Uh, you know, the Bears are going to have to throw it more than they 
they probably would like to. And I think Mooney is, uh, you know, the second best play in this uh, in this offense. Let's switch over to some tight ends, sneaky starts. Logan Thomas, Washington. They're they're hosting the Giants. Logan Thomas has had some decent games. Yes, and even recently against the Giants, he caught three passes for forty two yards and a touchdown. Um, he had four for sixty and a touchdown uh, in the other game in the last two weeks. So he's getting more involved. Looks like Cal Allen is, you know, getting calling his number in the red zone and is able to deliver the ball that's catchable. Um, the Giants are six in adjusted fantasy points allowed to tight ends. But, you know, recently, you know, Rob Gronkowski, four for 41, a touchdown. Richard Rodgers, six for 85 uh, against them. So maybe not uh, as tough as the adjusted fantasy points allowed would indicate. And it's not a bad spot for Thomas. And then finally, last tight end sneaky start, at least that we're going to talk about in the pod, you can go to 444.com and check out John's sneaky start article if you're looking for other options as well. Jordan Akins, the tight end for the Texans, they're at Jacksonville. Yeah, he's a pretty good player. I mean, he had seven catches uh, in an earlier game. Uh, he had a touchdown this year, uh, you know, playing 80% of the snaps when he's been healthy, but he's been out the last few weeks. Darren Fells had two really good games, and he had a goose egg uh, against the Packers. Um, but, you know, he's Aikens is athletic. Uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars are 26 in just fantasy points allowed to tight ends. They gave up five for 71 and two to the Chargers tight ends. Uh, they've given up touchdown catches to TJ Hawkinson, Darren Fells, Mike Kosicki, and Janu Smith, who had two against them this season. So, the, you know, they've struggled against tight ends. Maybe Aikens or Fells <laughs> gets a touchdown. <laughs> but Aikens is the one that has been playing ahead of Fells when he's been healthy, and he's finally he seems to be over his concussion and his ankle injury. So I, I don't hate that play. John, either. great stuff as always. You can follow him on Twitter at 444 underscore John. You can give me a follow as well at Anthony Stalter. I've got my, uh, my betting picks article coming out. Um, actually, it should be out right now if you're listening to this. John has, again, with a Sneaky Starts article, his rankings. And if you're not a 4 for 4 subscriber, you should absolutely hop on. Until next week, we'll, uh, we'll talk to you again. But good luck in all of your DFS and season-long leagues this, this week. And uh, we'll see you next time. 4for4.com is the most accurate podcast. Friends gotta let friends fight Sometimes friends fight Alright, still got your back Even when you break a chair on my life Shit, is it my bad now? It ain't nothing unusual And if I gotta fight you Love you Or leave you Boo, roll your sleeves up Keep your hands up too We gotta do this every single day of the year I guess it's fair We look nothing like we used to